0: Really quick before we get started, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast or followed the Ortho Plug on Instagram and Twitter, please do so. And while you're at it, if you could leave a review on the podcast, that would be amazing and would really help us
1: out a lot. Many a times I went back and forth with what am I going to do with this? Am I going to keep doing the things that I did? I, you know, was president of my class, eventually president of the student body and my roles there, but those things aren't necessarily contributing to Ortho. Um, So those are things that are kind of scary for me to continue. However, later on in the process, I saw how those things I can not only use to leverage as how I stood out because like not most people said that doesn't look like ortho I'm not going to do it versus this is what I do so I still did.
0: Hello and welcome to episode one of the ortho plug the podcast where I get to speak with some of the most successful inspiring and really just coolest orthopedic surgeons in the country and one thing that makes them particularly special is they either come from underrepresented backgrounds or they are actively supporting those that do. This is an extremely special episode, partly because it's episode one, but more so because I get the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Megan Badajo, a first year orthopedic surgery resident at Duke University, former president of her medical school class at Texas A&M, founder of the SNMA Orthopedic Surgery Interest Group, mentor to dozens of medical students, myself included, and just an overall amazing human being. In this episode, she shares her story and how she got to where she is and the strategies that we can implement into our own lives to achieve similar success. Specifically, networking, support from your community, and good old-fashioned hard work. I hope you enjoy the episode. Dr. Batajel, official Dr. Batajel, Megan Batajel, first year resident, orthopedic surgery resident at the Duke University. Um, I'm going to try my best not to be super biased during this conversation because I got my my heart still in North Carolina. Um, but I am super honored. Um, having this conversation with you is really just like huge blessing to me. So thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time and joining the Ortho Plug.
1: Absolutely. So excited to be here. I don't know why you're gassing me so hard. I'm all right as a human being, but... Uh... Excited to be here. This is amazing.
0: Yes, absolutely. And the gassing is much deserved, much deserved. So, um, I do a little bit of my research on on people. I know that, you know, we were hooping out, balling, Mansfield, Timberview High School to UT Dallas, hooping in college. You know, so as a previous athlete myself, too, I, I have my reasons for going into medicine and, the, and my interest in the orthopedics. Um, but I'd love to hear you know, what got you into medicine. You went from athlete to pre-med to medical school to ortho. Um, can you just like walk us through how that progression came about?
1: For sure. Um, that's a great question. And everybody just get ready because everyone's going to ask you that question. If you just want some preparation for uh, your interviews, that's number one. So uh, I remember talking a lot about early exposure and being a product of the pipeline when I was going through this process. And like, while all that is true, those are more so fancier, quicker words to get, you know, to the point. Speaking to like sports, basketball, that journey, uh, I think that plays a role in a lot of people's journey into ortho. Uh, I don't know if I would say it, it was for me. I never broke anything. We thank God. Um, so I was, I was chilling. I would say I knew I was going to be a surgeon, right, coming in. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. But nobody really knows what that means until you get involved in doing it. I... Um, Don't have a strong background with like family members who are, you know, doctors or anything like that. But I would tell people um, that I wanted to be a surgeon. So when I went into college playing basketball, you know, everybody hears about these athletes that get these scholarships to play there. Um, But my scholarship, random fact, was actually an academic scholarship. And so um, the scholarship that I had there required me to visit with this mentor who I would tell. I wanted to be a surgeon. Didn't know how I would do that. So this lady, her name is uh, Dr. Dean Courtney Burkeen, and she, I have to say, is probably one of my biggest advocates, not in medicine in any way. She got hurt and um, she invited me to one of her, like, you know, clinic visits. Uh, It turns out she looked at my school uh, or classroom schedule plus my basketball schedule, practice schedule, looked around it, scheduled disappointment around it just so I could go with her. And she ended up getting having an ACL tear, so obviously this was an orthopedic surgeon on the other side of this uh, conversation I was having in this clinic. So uh, that's how I got my you know first thread or weave through with orthopedics, um, was being in that setting, someone saying, hey, this girl told me she wants to be a surgeon, she's never been in front of that, come with me to my clinic, right? Because I, I hadn't been into any of those things before that, I don't have the resources for that, I hear that a lot, and I just want to insert that into the story, because I also did not have that. And this is how... Or what it looked like for someone to advocate for me to step into the picture. Uh, so she took me to this visit and I met with Dr. Uh, Kathy Coiner. That's the first orthopedic surgeon I ever met. And now we can see that my view of ortho is skewed because this was a female orthopedic surgeon in sports, um, which are two rarities in and of itself. And uh, from there, the journey just kind of spiraled, and at which point I would say orthopedics chose me. I did not choose it. It forced its way onto to me. <laughs> from there, I hung out with this woman in her clinic, and she took me to uh, my very first Perry initiative. Um, and for people who don't know what the Perry initiative is, I'm about to put you on. It's uh, for women and young girls who are in high school who are interested in medicine, but gives them exposure into um, biomechanics as well as orthopedics. And it puts you in front of all these women in orthopedics who just want to show you the way mentor you, put you in front of like saws and screws and drills and showing you how to use them, showing you how to reconstruct ACLs, a whole thing. Um, But this is a high school and medical student course, right? So I'm an undergrad. So this is another barrier for me, right? I'm an undergrad. There's no spot for me here. Um, Dr. Kathy Quinter said, you're coming anyways, and I'm going to make a spot for you. You need people who are going to say, I'm going to make a spot for you. Right. Um, Right. And so that's kind of how it went from there. She introduced me to some folks from there. Amy McIntosh becomes a big player for me. She's a Pete's orthopedic spine surgeon at Texas Scottish Rite. Um, And then I entered my first research experience with orthopedics um, in undergraduate. Spent time in the OR, clinics, did research with her. These very kind of smaller things at the time to me, because I'm still playing basketball, still undergrad. And then these other things are happening actually became very huge. In the more recent years, right? So after this, those experiences, I go to med school. I have orthopedics at the back of my mind, you know, but going through, and I actually liked all of my rotations as opposed to most people's stories. They're like, I hate medicine or I hate whatever. I like them all. I love the opportunity to be in front of people, hearing them at their worst times or best times if it's babies. um, And uh, just being in that space, that really intimate space with people. But for me, what ended up selling it, I, I continued by force. Meg is going into orthopedics. Um, I had another research opportunity after my first year at MD Anderson um, with Dr. Um, Valerie Lewis, who is the oncology like guru. If you don't know about her, look her up now. Um, she's the first female African-American chair of the department. She runs the show uh, in the country. She's that person i did not know this going into this so i'm me and my small self just ah, i'm here excited to be here not knowing that i'm underneath like this giant in the field and um, that's who i got my stewardship under but also like you're hearing about medicine but you're also learning about like what your experience could be like in this space so i think just having that additional encouragement but also being able to see what it's like to be at this extremely academic space it's oncology so you're also again in front of people at very difficult times in their life but you're seeing how someone who has supreme surgical skill, but also knows how to be a human being and how those things meet produces this really amazing experience for people. So those Mm -hmm. things sold me, right? Like I was just wandering about, I loved everything. And they were like, no, you're coming into ortho per these experiences. And then from there, once you make that decision, um, other small things come into play. You do more rotations, like officially you learn about the people you'll hear this a lot, you know, just the people involved in ortho, the, whether it's the attendings or the residents, like their personalities are just awesome. And then your patients are really awesome as well, right? Like a lot of the times they're super healthy um, and they just broke something or sometimes they're not and they've got cancer. Um, but it's another very important opportunity, especially because cancer, bone cancer is young people a lot of times. Um, so you are working with giving back potential to someone's future. So it's a cool space right. to be in. I think that's what brought me in there.
0: Oh, my goodness. What an incredible story. And it's, it speaks so much to the fact that being able to, you know, it's almost like a luck kind of thing where you get to see somebody who you resonate with in the field. And, you know, it's like if, you know, the first orthopedic surgeon that you met wasn't like, you know, who it was, you know, hopefully you still would have been on that path. But it's just kind of the fortune of being able to have those experiences. And for underrepresented minorities, it's that much more challenging in so many Times, interests, and things like that cannot be explored just because of the happen chance of not meeting the right person. And so, I already know that the same impact that the people that you mentioned have had on you—you've already had that on so many medical students. You're going to continue to have that. Um, You know, people are going to be like, "Yeah, you know this this doctor Badajo, you know, up at Duke." The impact that she had on me. I listened to, you know, just a brief conversation from her. And now I want to go into ortho. You know, that's going to continue to go. And so, you know, I just want to applaud you for continuing to pay that for it. I have a similar kind of thing with being able to see people who I resonate in the field as well doing things. Actually, side note, the, the person who inspired me to go into medicine to begin with is Dr. Dean Taylor at Duke. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's sure, a sports yeah. med doc um, at Duke. He reconstructed my knee. And I wasn't even, I didn't know what I was going to do. I went to college and I was like, I'm just here to run track. I don't care about nothing else. You know, I'm scheduled. I'm not pre-med anything. I'm whatever classes can let me be at practice the most. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, and so, but Dr. Dean Taylor, you know, he's, he, he is like, kind of like a white man in ortho, so not an underrepresented minority. Um, but he actually connected me to various underrepresented minorities and basically, again, similar to you was like, this is what you're going to be doing with your life. You know, like you're going, you're ortho. And I just having, having that support from people and then having the connection, being able to see other people who I resonate with in the field, you know, as sometimes challenging, it it can be, especially in ortho um, was super powerful. So you have this amazing story going all the way, you know, from the basketball court to now medical school, um, medical school at Texas A&M med school. And obviously, you absolutely crush it because you match at one of the best programs. Again, I'm going to try to minimize my bias here, but one of the, the best programs is orthopedics, everything in the country. Um, what were some of the things that you did as a medical student that you think really set yourself up for success uh, in matching an ortho?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... And I, I just want to take a step back to two things you said. One, you're not biased when you say Duke is the best. It's just facts are facts, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then two, two is uh, the comment on like someone who doesn't look like you, but like is still your sponsor and your mentor, Dr. Dean Taylor, being um, you know more quintessential white male in the field, helping you through the program or helping you through the process. That's big. That's that's a huge point to put out there. There's still so few of us. You might not see, us to anyone watching this, you might not see somebody that looks like you. However, that doesn't mean they can't help you. That means they can't like support you. Don't run from that. Lean into that. Allow them to. Because at the end of the day, most people that go into, into or are amazing people, um, and they want to see you succeed. So don't shy away from that and like still lean into that. They can be helpful, and they can connect you. The field is small enough. They might not be or have everything in, in their one package, but they can connect you with others. Um, like JR saying. So mm-hmm. that's huge. That is huge. And you actually don't want just one mentor for one thing, right? Like you have a lot. Have a lot so they can continue to pour into you and not, you know, be overly exhausted by you. So, because um, I'm. Point. Anyways, that's another thing. Uh, Thank
0: you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to the success, right, the, that you're kind of leaning into, uh, tangible things that I did. I think some things to point out in this story is that, yes, I went to Texas them. What does that mean? I'm telling you that I went to a state program. I'm telling you I went to a program that is not um, very or the most robust in research, right? It's not a big research institution. Um, and these are those are two big things that are important when you're applying ortho or become important. Shouldn't be important, but they do become important. People talk about research and they talk about uh, this concept of pedigree. Pedigree gets talked about um, more on inner circles than outer circles. But it's more of the fact that like you're coming from this place and people want their spaces to look a certain way. Right. So unfortunately, sometimes those things come into play. And those were questions I got like, Hey, I'm not coming from X, Y, Z school, you know, are people going to look at me differently? Um, So that's why it was nice to kind of have the background. I have and offer advice in that space. Uh, Overarchingly, I would say you have to work as hard as you can to become undeniable. So what that you didn't go to a program that was super research heavy and people are just throwing it at you. So what that it doesn't have Ivy League, whatever behind it. So what? Be undeniable. Well, how do I do that? <laughs> That's the next question, right? Um, as far as research goes, let's start there. It's a big one. Um, it was hard to get orthopedic research. So I just found research, period. Every rotation that was on, I was like, what are y'all doing? It didn't matter. Pediatrics, cards, internal medicine, surgery. I have papers in all of them because I was like, I can't get as much ortho research but the principle here is right. Like if you could already do all this research, why am I putting you through this whole training? But they want to see that you had exposure and experience in it. So that's what I that's what I set out to do: go find exposure and experience. So I got the volume and the exposure and the experience that way. Um, and that does require you to have more effort, right? Like you're doing something that's not necessarily what you're interested in, um, and you're also doing that on top of studying for your clinical rotations, and then the NBME that comes at the end. So I'm asking you to do a little bit more here, right, in order to build that um, CV, essentially. The, that's on the research piece of things. Mm-hmm. However, most programs do have a orthopedic department, and sometimes it might take you going in and talking to them and like saying, hey, let's start a project, right? That's also part of it. Everything I'm saying takes more work. There are programs that have these things already in place, and if those are there, if you're not taking advantage, you're hurting yourself. But if you don't have those in place, those are the things that I did to create a space where I could have those things reflected in my um, CV and in my application. So that's on the piece of research. Those are kind of, those are the tangible things I did for research. Um, the other tangible, kind of tangible thing I would say for people to do is you, you should follow out the thing that you're passionate about. And pe- people would say that to me and I didn't, Know what to do with that? (laughs) I'm like, what does that mean? Like, yes. Uh, And like, for someone who's like, well, I'm passionate about my video games. Like, how am I? How does that help me? Um, That's not necessarily my scenario. But like, what was I passionate about? For me, I was really passionate about leadership. Right. So that was something I did. But that's not really. That doesn't fall into the to the tenets of orthopedics, which is usually get your research in, um, get the board scores, get the grades, get the clinicals, get the honors. Best ortho and then have the network. So many a times I went back and forth with what am I going to do with this? Am I going to keep doing the things that I did? I, you know, was president of my class, eventually president of the student body, um, going up and up in those ways on the SNMA side. We already talked about that and my roles there, but those things aren't necessarily contributing to ortho. Um, so those are things that were kind of scary for me to continue. However, later on in the process, I saw how those things I could not only use to leverage as how I stood out, because like, not most people said that doesn't look like worth though, I'm not going to do it versus this is what I do. So I still did it. So that stood out. Uh, and I, people talk to me about it continuously on every interview about the things that I did as it related to my presidential roles. And then as my, in my SNMA roles. Um, and that kind of goes into like just the setting of, or the nature of where we were when I was applying, it was the year of, you know, the pandemic. It was the year of um, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, those were big, right? So DEI was also big, and a big question on everyone's mind was, "How do we how do we fix racism?" What? That's a big question to ask somebody. But as a as a brown applicant, brown and black, minority in any way, that was a question that you got in some way or some form. And I know only not only had it answers or responses, right? I can fix. It's not necessarily solutions, but ways to improve the situation because of that background that I had, and I could say it from an administrative standpoint as well as someone who exists in that space, as well as someone who works with minority students who are pursuing this field all the time. So for me, that's how I, the tangible way for how I stood out was just pursuing what I was already interested in. So that's how that connects. And hopefully my example kind of helps you understand that statement when people say, follow your passions.
0: I really appreciate your taking, you walking us through the, the idea of like, you know, actually following what you're interested in ultimately usually leads to the result that you want. And I have a similar kind of thing where it's like, you know, I'm interested in like mentorship and education. And I take a less traditional approach at those two things because I make YouTube videos and I start Mm -hmm. virtual courses. And it's like, okay, as an orthopedic applicant, I don't know what they're going to say if I put on my CV I make YouTube videos, you know, obviously I would explain it in a way that's highlighting the fact that these are educational videos and what they're doing, but it's that same kind of deal of like, it doesn't seem very traditional ortho applicant, but you know, it's just something that I'm interested in. And I think some of the values still translate into, you know, any field of medicine. I advise a lot of pre-medical students and how like to to make themselves stand out. And I'm like, nobody else like has your life, your experiences, your passions. So like the best way to stand out is to actually like highlight who you are, like leave your fingerprints at the end of your interview, for example, or whatever the case may be, you know, I think it's very valuable for you to walk us through what your interests were that fell outside of this research, high, high grades, high step scores, and how that allowed you to kind of separate yourself and 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 be successful in a field that originally seems like it's almost all about those things. I did want to kind of get on the flip side of that coin and just like Okay, so we know what made you an absolute boss. Um, but I also am sure that there were certain challenges that you faced going from mid school to um, you know, matching at Duke. Um, and you know, clearly you were able to overcome those. But I wanted to hear if there were any specific things that you know stuck with you, that were challenges. You know, whether it be related to the fact that you are a woman pursuing a career in orthopedics or a black woman pursuing a career in orthopedics, Um, just like any challenges, it doesn't have to be related to that or not. But I'm sure that some of the listeners will say or listen to this maybe in a season where they're experiencing something, you know, and just to be able to hear, okay, this person also experienced something similar and look where they're at, I think would be helpful.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think you learn more from the challenges than just hearing about a bunch of people's successes because then they make them people. Um, So I would say, yeah, plenty of challenges um, when going through the process, whether it's because of being a woman, being black, being alive, (laughs) life is hard. Um, And so I think over, let's say just in general, I think I have a unique situation in that I went to a PWI and most people will go to a PWI um, as far as their medical institution is. But um, I think the unique thing about mine was that I was there with only one other African American person. And because of the way my school was set up, uh, we had five different campuses. So I was on a different campus from the other person. So I spent my time in med school as the only African American in my class on my campus. So um, that's what medical school looked like for me. And as a result, uh, you just have a very different experience. People um, may say things or do things that like you would not expect people to do or say, or like you might be confused about like their understanding of things, or they might say things and not realize it's offensive. So I'll give an example. Uh, I remember I was in one of these practices of medicine, heal, diversity kind of, situations. And um, I remember they were making an example about maternal fetal um, death and how how the rates were different per race. And so the example that they uh, knew, because we all know about African American women and their babies and how they have a less um, or a lower survivorship. It was not that statistic that was said. It was, Megan, your kids are more likely to die and not survive labor, or you are more likely not to survive. Right? So like that that's intense. That's an intense thing to say. And I don't think this person said it maliciously. She was just making a point. However, (laughs) what are you speaking over me? (laughs) No, thank you. So, but that's just something that comes from like, uh, you know, like that's tough. And like, I like, that's a conversation, right. Um, Because of all the experiences I have in leadership, I can pull somebody aside versus being offended and, and upset and share why that was a problem. And like, why that like can negatively impact my classmates in their experience, right? Because now they're going to walk into a room and think every black person is, you know, at risk for dying or maybe ignore that fact. Like, I don't know how that's going to impact them. Um, And I don't know that's how that's going to shape how they see me, but I want them to know that people do exist and look like me in the medical field, but like there's a better way to, or in in their practice, right? In the community, there's a better way to interact with um, people who are different and just have different statistics. And instead of just saying that I'm a statistics, maybe let's talk about why Mm -hmm. that exists. Mm -hmm. So those are types of things, like everyday things. That's that's an everyday kind of thing, right? Like there are little things that pop in and out. And just because of lack of exposure, lack of experience. um, And it's hard to say that, you know, in this space, because it's like, it's 2022. And, uh, you know, it was maybe 2020, 2019, 2018, who knows when when those conversations are happening. Um, But then when we talk about just like how that relates to orthopedics, I, I already explained like what my environment looks like. Um, there were there were other things that I noticed. I felt like, you know, maybe it was easier for certain people to get along with other people. And I was the only person that looked like myself applying it to ortho. Um, and so there's a there's a tactic I've seen people use, just and it's not necessarily the worst. It's just people trying to support each other and improve like how much research. Because, like we said, research is big. So they will include each other on these papers. Well, I, when the math started to math on who was on these. Papers. I was never on these papers with these other people, but that's like a boost for them, right? Like all of them have more numbers on their CV. I had no idea they were doing this until somebody on the other side, you know, mentioned like, "Hey, why aren't you on these papers? All these people from your school are, is on this are on these papers." I was like, "What papers are you talking about?" But that's a thing. That's a difference. That's a that's interesting, right? Because I don't. They didn't like dislike me, but like maybe there's just a difference in our experience that maybe led to not wanting to share this opportunity. And I don't actually know if that ended positive because all of y'all are going into ortho. Why would y'all be on the same paper? So I'm just going to discourage that for everybody. All of y'all don't need to be on the same papers. Um, But those are different things that like I felt going through. And then in in my institution, um, other things you might hear would be, and you could take it how you want is being called the unicorn, right? Like you're the unicorn, you're African-American and you're female. You're going to check off these boxes for these programs around diversity. Because if you didn't know, um, GME has now made a, made several requirements around diversity and having people representative in your programs. And so it was almost like this situation or environment where all the other things that we were, you know, you work towards, getting the grades, getting the scores, the work that you put in, the research that you put in, it was almost like people were saying, It doesn't even matter. You're black. You're a woman. You're getting in. Um, Which might sound encouraging to some. They're like, cool, I'm getting in. (laughs) But it also could be like, you've belittled all the work and all the suffering that you did to get here. Like all the additional barriers that you did to get here. People are saying you're black, you're getting in. That's not true. You're black and you struggle to get here for all the other reasons. And you've had to deal with so much other stuff to get here. So don't lean into that. It's something people will put on you. It's not true. It's not true. And it's not true in our numbers, right? Like if that was true, all the people that applied who were black should have matched. They didn't. They did not. Um, I think there were like 12 African-American women that that matched. And I think probably closer to 50 or 60 actually applied, right? Mm-hmm. So the numbers do not match up with that statement. You you still have to pursue excellence, even though people are saying those types of things to you. Um, so I feel like that's a challenge. And I I, w- I hope if you hear it and when you hear it, you don't take that and internalize it one, because it's not true. Like I'm saying, like you still need to work hard, even though people are saying you're a shoe in. Mm -hmm. Um, And two, you got to work hard because at the end of the day, you have to take care of patients at the end of all of this song and dance we're doing. So you need to be good. Right. Um, So yeah, those are, those are challenges. Once you get on the trail, um, it was a positive and and a negative, but just that question of, right. We're talking about all these things that you have to do. But when I got to my interviews, I was mostly talking about diversity in in orthopedics and like how to improve that, Mm -hmm. Um, which is an opportunity, right? Like you should view these situations as opportunities, regardless of how it might come across. You have the opportunity to turn around the actual experience, right? So you're asking me about this, even though I spent hours prepping this research, being ready to be grilled about research. You're asking me about how to improve diversity here. Cool. At some point I had like twelve commandments on diversity improvement. <laughs> I love for it for these interviews. Yeah. And I just sold it. I just sold it because it's true and it's like what I use in, in real life. So, um, but it's an opportunity truly to educate. And at the end of that, you know, we had our AMEC conference back in April, but we had people from orthopedic program Programs come through and like have this conversation about, Hey, I remember you talked about this on your interview. Like, this is really cool to be in this space. And this is like really cool to see program directors come out there and be like, Hey, like, I remember you talked about this. Wow. So you can have impact in any little space um, that you're in. And that might not be exactly, you know, what you prepared for or exactly what you, you know, you'd work, put in the effort towards. But it's like, this is also part of your experience and spin it the way you need to spin it. Because um, at the end of the day, get in and then make your changes once you're in. Right. So, Um, those are, I would say challenges uh, around that that area.
0: Thank you so much. And it's, it's, it's almost that idea. It's like, um, all of those microaggressions and things that you've experienced, there's like that saying like, um, death by like a thousand paper cuts or whatever. And it's like the, the worst kind of like challenge is, you know, the repetitive, you mentioned these being like, you know, almost daily kind of experiences, these microaggressions, but knowing how you were able to overcome that, I think is extremely powerful. So thank you so much for sharing that. How has your experience so far been at Duke? What are some of the things that you really like? Um you also mentioned, I know, mentorship from like ortho oncology. I don't know if that's an interest of yours, but like how's yeah, how's residency so far? Any specialty interests? I'd love to I'd love to hear that.
1: Yeah, yes, yes. All great questions. Uh I'm going to answer them. I'm going to take, take a step back so we don't miss um Challenges that are beyond like paper cuts, right? Like big challenges.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Challenges
1: that are hard, challenges that take you out and you feel like you can't keep going. Um, And I think we are still in, but like recently are coming through like a time where a lot of people had a lot of people taken out. A lot of people lost people um, during this pandemic. A lot of people that lost people look like me and you. Mm -hmm. So that was big. And a lot of people lost people who died from the other pandemic, right? The racial pandemic. those types of things. And those were big or people got hurt. I know for me personally, it, um, during a lot of those riots, um, one of my siblings actually got really injured in a car accident during it, um, in the middle of me doing, during my dedicated period, step studying. And I remember that took me out. I remember I was scoring below, like you, I was failing. I was failing. There was no way that I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon with the scores I was getting. Um and the, and the weight of just, like, that tokenism as the only one was on it. Like, it was resting. Megan, what are you, like, what can we do <laughs> was on my head. And what what do we do about this situation? But I already told you, I, I also am responsible for my classmates. And, like, how do we get through this pandemic and we're canceling step one, step whatever, all these other things. So I remember there being a ton of pressure um, to respond and act and, like, also just, like, be available and aware for your peers and colleagues, because this is an extremely tough time and people are losing people or people themselves are getting sick, um, while also managing the fact that, you know, the class the kids from the younger classes, because I can't be the only one in my program who's Black and then not do anything about it, right? So there's more people who are Black in the next classes, but they're now suffering wherever they are because of the experiences outside of their control. Um, And so I'm also responsible for that. Also responsible right they shouldn't be on one person but who's going to be able to speak up about it and not feel the re- retaliation from that um while managing your own personal stuff um that's hard mm-hmm. that's really hard and uh, i remember being like this like none of this was worth it like none of this is worth what is happening right now like remember thinking i can't take this test but I also don't want to like i don't see how we can like think the biggest thing in the world was passing this exam when people are on the streets dying and people are like in these hospitals dying by themselves. I was part of the group that went back to the hospitals kind of as that trial of like, can we put our students back in there and give them a bunch of PPE and they'd be okay. And so I went back on the pulmonary unit and I remember it which is like how, how, but like I went back on the pulmonary unit on my campus and it was like me watching people die by themselves. Um, and that was such a sobering moment in medicine because it's like people are losing people and in you as a medical student, we're the closest one to them. Um, and like you were the one who was there or could be there to hold their hand while well, that, that is, that's happening. So hard situations, hard personal losses, hard losses in your professional life, life, all those things, I don't want them to happen to anybody, but they can happen to anybody mm-hmm. and you can feel really down about them and, um, down might be an understatement for people who, who are going through it, but it's tough. One, I will say, lean into your people. If you don't have people, you got me. Someone will give you my contact. You can reach out to me and we can talk. I'll put it you know, in the show whatever, notes. But lean into your you Put them in the show notes. Lean into your people, but also lean into the resources that you already paid for through your tuition, whether that's the um, mental health crisis counselors, psychologists. I remember um, I would preemptively like reach out to all the ones available to my classmates and peers, just to see like, who, who is, who is it legit? What is the process in case anybody asked me, but because I had already did that, I already knew the process. So when I was going through all of that, uh, I'm, I I don't know, I guess I'm uh, reflective of like what our culture is to like really avoid like any mental health stuff. But like, it was getting to a point where I was just like, I just didn't want to go on. It was more of, more of that, like, I just can't do this. I don't want to do this. And I just finally like reached out to somebody um, through that process and started talking to somebody and working through it and just like trying to, f- uh, like trying to find meaning and process what's going on. Right. Cause this is lots of those situations are really hard situations that don't have a reason for why they're happening. And that's right. You start leaning into, you know, am I being resilient enough? You start to blame yourself. Like, what happened to resilience and people talk about resilience. Like it's the only thing that makes it through like you making it through, uh, is around the word resilience. And in those moments, it's hard to feel resilient when like you feel like you are under attacked systemically. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even beyond that, like when you feel like someone at home is hurting someone or is not making it, or you're going to lose somebody big in your life or uh, the potential to. So, um, those big things are important. Um, really important and they are hard conversations and conversations that you want to handle by yourself or in isolation um, and i would really recommend not i mentioned professional health but also also your like friends and your families and maybe even if you have close classmates that are now your friends and and come across as your family if you are doing you know your medical school at a different in a different state away from your family having people around you supporting you is huge it's huge and it's understated and people don't even like it's the most understated thing is your support system. Mm -hmm. Even when you start to pick your residency, your support system needs to be like number two, like pick whatever you want to be. Number one, if it's not number one, it needs to be number two, like for everybody, (laughs) because you will underestimate it. And I remember people told me that. And I, and I didn't, Uh, I don't, I don't think I carried the the weight of that, um, the way it really does weigh in. The second questions were on, how's it going at Duke Mm -hmm. and um, specialties? Mm -hmm. so, Duke. Let me just start by telling you about Duke. Duke is amazing. We want JR to come back to Duke, but I also <laughs> want everyone to come to Duke. So everybody rotate at Duke. Duke is awesome. Um, Duke is amazing. Like I had the fortune and the blessing to interview at several places and um, very, very, like, I don't know, very few of them hit all the check boxes for me the way Duke did. Um, and I am from Texas. Duke is in North Carolina. So this is me moving home and I, from home and I still did it because of what uh, what I saw there, and uh, one big thing for me is I felt like I, I was seen as an applicant, right? I felt like I was seen as an applicant who has potential to do literally anything, and is not like I didn't feel boxed in at all around race. Uh, I felt like they asked challenging questions about, um, just like experience and environment that's very different, just from being like you know, like how do we feel fixed diversity in orthopedics? Um, it, it was. One place that said you better know your research cold was Duke. Oh my gosh, my interviewers came for my life, but that was awesome, right? Because that tells you how serious they are about like um, advancement and research. And at the same time, other interviews that were more about like what do you do as a person and like are, what do you look like as a human, like just went took the time to just understand you from so many different levels. And this was a program that like grilled me on my leadership. What does it mean that you're a leader? What does that mean? Like really came for and like explored it, but also wanted to expose like, what's the heart, like what's something that's really hard that you've been through. Not the stuff that you write about or tell people in these settings like this, what's the hardest thing that you've been through. Right. What's the thing that keeps like those types of conversations. And it was amazing. And then I got, I matched, matched at Duke. And, um, the second I match, honestly, before I even match, because, you know, they find out like an hour or so before you do. Mm-hmm. Um, my phone was blowing up. It was like 50 messages that were like, congratulations, welcome to the family, from the residents, from the attendings, from like all these numbers I didn't have saved. I didn't even know who's talking to me, but everybody was blowing up my phone. Like, welcome to the family. You are part of this family. Like, It's 2 so- o'clock. That's my, my computer, sorry. We're so excited to have you. And it was just like this wild feeling of like, Automatic acceptance. Like, they wanted you before you got there type thing, before the match. Like, you could, you felt that energy. Um, and it was awesome. And, like, that's awesome for someone. Like, I'm big on relationships. I'm big on family. I'm big on friendships and developing people and, you know, developing between yourself. So I knew I would be leaving a big part of that by leaving Texas. Um, but, like, I was so excited to know that I was going into something that already was, like, here's the relationship, jump in. Jump in. We want you here. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so Duke, just from, before I even touched ground in North Carolina, was that was the energy. Um, and I didn't rotate here. That's a big part. Like, that's a big thing to, we could talk about it. But I picked here with, like, sight unseen based on my interviews. But I also called people. That's important, you guys, as you're going through this. I you talk to people, call people, um, look at people's social media. That's, like, a, a new way. Like, that's I use that critically. That's, like, a new wave of, like, this virtual space, especially as it continues use what you can to learn as much as you can and talk to people. um, Because that who knows, 10 minute interview might not be enough to sell you. I needed to talk to everybody. (laughs) Uh, And I knew I would have advocates here. I knew I would be challenged by different types of people. Um, They're like, it's orthopedics. You're going to have people that don't look like you. That's period. And in large part, that's what the program looked like. But they also have faces and spaces that are, that are diverse. And they had people that like reflect me, um and reflect you and it it was awesome and different different people like it's just different experiences um so that's what i knew i would be walking into and then getting there it was like that times 10 like you get there and these people are so excited to celebrate you and celebrate the fact that you're there um and like take the time to like get to know you and be around you like i i feel like they are so intentional about this um and then getting to the orthopedic part of this um we i mean it's a little bit interesting how Duke does it. it they have this, like, um, kind of, like, build-your-own-experience type situation. Like, they give you these different options on how, like, how you want your year to go, which is really cool because um, then you get to, you know, structure, like, where you want to take time but also, like, what you want to experience first versus later. Um, so that's really nice. And not a, not a lot of – I don't think you get to pick as much of <laughs> the programs, but I don't know. Um, and the other thing they had, like, or at least the um, – Line that I have starts off with a skills month, and it's a month where they just like go through like what like what types of skill sets you need to know as an orthopedic surgeon, and like things even tailored to what she maybe missed in med school. Because a lot of people um, right now in training or applying, like you did a lot of your things virtually, or you didn't get as much hands in the OR or in the ED, like splinting and all these other things. And I felt like that was so intentional around like let's try and build up this skill set that they might come in missing because a lot of people are going to come in with a missing skill set. It's just, you weren't in the OR. You couldn't be residents were trying to get into OR because they also had a shortage of cases. Right. So like the med school definitely, the med students are definitely at the bottom of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool to have that month. But then, uh, right after that, uh, you know, I jump in and like you said, you get half the year is non orthopedic stuff. And so I went directly to the VA. I'd never been at a VA before, but I went to the VA and it was, uh, me covering four services and it was like general surgery, vascular surgery, cardiac and thoracic surgery and covering that um, at nights. And as the intern, you know, you're usually there with like a senior on call, but taking home call, right? Like situations usually like that. So it was like zero to 1000 to 1 million. And um, like, you are really taking it down as a, as an intern, as someone who's a med student, like two seconds ago. right? So it was such a like drastic jump. And I think that was, it was intimidating. It wasn't. I'm not going to say I think it was intimidating. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> y'all want me to be an actual doctor. <laughs> oh my goodness. And um, I think I, put, I posted some of this journey on my socials, but like, it was just so interesting to go through it. But at the end of it, because it, it was tough. I cannot lie. I can't even sugarcoat it. It was hard. But as far as the orthopedic department goes, I felt so supported through it. I felt like I was getting texts weekly from people because they know you're about to go through an experience and they're like, hope everything's good. Like, what can I help you with? Is there anything that I can do to like, you know, like what's going on? Are they treating you okay over there? Like they, they are after it. They want to be like, they wanted it to be known that like, if you needed it, they will have your back. Like they'll, they'll make some phone calls to whoever. Um, So that was awesome. And that even after going through something like that, right, it's yes, like not your specialty, but you do take some things away from that. Going through some hard things, you take some things away from it. And after I was done with that rotation, which I recently finished, um, you know, I definitely feel different. Um, I'm not going to say I feel like, you know, the doctor, the surgeon, but I feel like I'm definitely less afraid of things. Like if something happens, you just figure it out. And you really start to feel yourself apply some of the stuff you used in med school to get to to where I am now, right? Like, you just got creative with things. You were like, I just have to figure this out. I have to be a problem solver. You're get ready to keep doing that. (laughs) Like that's the message. Get ready to keep doing that um, and be in ambiguous spaces and just working through it. But also knowing at least at Duke, someone is on the phone ready to like answer your call if you need it. So that was really cool to have. Um, But it's also something like that is balanced out by like other things like plastic surgery here, which is what I'm on now. And plastics, obviously there's like, you know, like crossover with hand surgery, orthopedics versus plastics, but that's also just a great place for you to, again, hone in those skills around suturing and being in the OR and like, again, practical skill set. So it's been great so far. Like that was a really hard rotation I just came off of, but like overall I would say it was awesome. And like, that's a rotation that you end up with one other person from your class. So I had one of my co-residents, um, in the SICU there. So like, if something was really just like, uh, you can't handle it, you just go down there. Visit with them, know that you got family around, and then you just go back up and continue to take it down. So they have it set up pretty well for you to have community while you're going through this process.
0: That's awesome. That's that's so encouraging. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's definitely like a a fam familial kind of thing with Duke. I just think overall with like the entire university, because um, you know I went there undergrad. And like, you know, obviously people think of like Duke basketball and everything like that, but even like the way that Duke basketball promotes itself is like the brotherhood or you know what I mean? And so it's just like,
1: Absolutely. and it's a
0: big, it, it, I, I have definitely felt that it's a familial kind of environment there. So it's amazing to hear that that crosses over into the um, orthopedic surgery residency program there as I, as I would have expected for sure. And it's also cool to hear how some of those like extremely challenging experiences working in the VA doing like having to cover a lot of things basically, you know, by yourself with continued support that is not necessarily like right there holding your hand while you're doing things though. Um, and I love how you fit it. you were like right after being in medical school, you know, you just graduated med school and now you're in the VA having to cover all of these kind of things. That's like, you know, even just like hearing it, I'm like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this is wild. Um, but it's like after the fact, after those experiences, it speaks a lot to the experience when you can come out and say like you valued it, you learned a lot from it, you appreciated the skills that you cultivated. You know, you didn't learn the new skills of figuring stuff out as they come because you, like you mentioned, you know, those are things that I do all the time. Like, you know, I'm on my surgery rotation right now and I'm on gen surge and I'm like, you know, if they tell me to run down and, you know, do something that now to me seems super basic, but at the time of like, you know, doing a dressing change and my, my senior like, is just like, yo, I need you to go do this dressing change. And, you know, on the way down, I'm like on my phone looking up, you know, making sure I do this right on Google. (laughs) And then I go to the nurse and say, Hey, I got to do this dressing change right now. My senior did it. I've never done this before. He just wants me to go do that. Uh, I think I know how to do this, but can you stand next to me and make sure that I don't mess this person up? You know, like... (laughs) Yeah. So cute. That's cute. it's just like learning to figure things out is, is huge. And it, it's a skill that, you know, it sounds like is going to be continue to be cultivated in, in residency. So no, that's amazing. It sounds like you're really enjoying yourself. Um, do you have any specialty interests though? Cause I I, I know you're super, super early in it. You mentioned, you know, I have some mentors in ortho-oncology and, and stuff like that. How, do you have any specific interests?
1: I would say I don't have a specific interest right now. Um, I do, yes, I had exposure in oncology at MD Anderson. Texas Scottish Rite is a pediatric hospital, so there's exposure there. Um, I I don't know. Some of my biggest advocates were in the trauma space and sports space, but I honestly haven't done enough sports to say no to that right now. I'm trying to jump into it now. I'm doing some sports coverage while I'm here. Another thing you can do at Duke, is you can cover sports teams.
0: Right. How was that? You were just covering football yesterday.
1: Yeah. So that was high school football and, and it's cool. Cause that, you know, program that I'm with is predominantly um, African-American in a lower SES space. And it's like cool to see that your contribution to a group that is like so niche to us. Right. So that was awesome, but it's cool because like I had don't have sports exposure. And so I get to learn from the fellow. There's also a, a Duke fellow who's there as well. And there's also an attending um, and like, as he's seeing different things on the field and like, you know, Someone might turn and fall, but they get up, Well, you're watching their gait. Like, what What do you think just happened per that gait? If they choose to come off, or maybe you like tell them to come off, um, you're checking for what types of things could be hurting. And so it's like, you're learning on the go. It's like, all right, can you flex your knee? Well, that hurts. All right, well, if I put it down and um, it doesn't hurt, or if I do, you know a lockman's test on it or like anterior posterior drawer those things like actually become real (laughs) on on the football field and um just trying to figure it out right so that's been really i mean it's a cool thing to just jump in there but it's also really tragic when you're working with you know someone who's a junior looking to go to college and you know they just tore their acl so you're working through so many different things um on the field but like practically like gaining that skill set and like just having that awareness of like how people move and what could be hurting and then also applying those maneuvers you're learning in school. So, um, to that end, like take those things pretty seriously. Uh, if you're going into ortho or interested in ortho or sports medicine in general, cause you're going to need, you're going to apply them. And a lot of things that I'm learning is a lot of people are just going to put you in a situation, not a harmful one, but like you'll just be put in a situation. It'll be nice if you already are comfortable with doing things like you said, like doing dressing, dressing changes, just, you are now relatively comfortable doing that. So once you get to residency, it won't be the first time you've done it. For me, it was like the first time I did dressing changes. (laughs) I was like, wait, you want me to do what? Which seems simple. I'm just throw this thing down. But then it's like, oh, we'll do a wet to dry, what's a wet to dry. (laughs) So like, there's different things like you build up. And so do it and like continue to do those types of things. And like, if you find opportunities or like there's things that your residents need done, go do them. Even if you don't know how to just say, hey, if you show me how to do it, I can go do it for you. One, because you want to put yourself in a situation where you're like, it feels high pressure to you. It's like, they're not never going to have you do anything dangerous, but it'll feel high pressure to you because you've never done it before. And you're going to do it with your own hands. And that'll teach you it again and again with your hands and inside of you that you can do things that you've never done before. And it's okay for you to go into a space where you're uncomfortable. And you said something that's really amazing. You asked the nurses that's showing humility, just you're a med student, but once you become a resident, still ask the nurses, they've been there longer than you. That's really important. And they know, they usually know how to do it. They're the bosses. They're the G's. Ask them. Get on their good side. It's that is the way to go um, as you go through this process. The question you asked me though, what specialty? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what specialty. I'm going into. Um, I'm. I'm open to everything. I loved oncology. Just the type of person I am. Like I. I loved being able to be with someone at those really hard times, but also being like part of like how to re how to reconstruct this. How to like doing a rotation plasty on a five year old. What? but she's going to be able to go and do the sports that she wants to do. It's a big cancer, right? I'm talking about osteosarcoma, Your big surgery, mm-hmm. but like you see a future, like there's a future there. Trauma, someone can't, well, literally can't walk. Bilateral femur fractures, you throw down two nails, they can walk. They could probably walk the next day. Um, they probably shouldn't, but they can, they could put weight <laughs> on that. You know what I mean? And like you will yeah. them that to their life. Same thing, joints, people, elderly, that's the other side of the spectrum. These people have not been able to move or be active. And to me, people talk about life in different things. Like you need your brain in order to think, in order to be a person, you need your heart or else you die. Well, if you can't do the things you want to do, you're not living your life. And that is life. To me, life is being able to do the things you want to do. And if you can't move, you can't do them. So like you, ortho allows you to restore that in all the different ways, the different subspecialties. So I'm just looking for the one that brings me the most joy. I love them all. If I could do them all, I do them all. I'm going to do all 10 fellowships
0: and that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> so <laughs> that's gonna I love work. it. No, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely encouraging to hear that, you know, you find so much value in the different kind of aspects of orthopedic surgery because it speaks to the breadth of the field. You know, you have the young football high schooler, you know, doing, and you can do sports if that's the, you know, patient population mm-hmm. or pathologies that you value. All the way to joints, like you mentioned, with the opposite, you know, side of things where they're not trying to necessarily run up and down a football field, but being able to walk from the couch to the bathroom without pain in a eighty year old, you know, is just as fulfilling in that moment. Um, and to be to be able to bring back that fulfillment is powerful. And I really like how you put that. I'm like taking a mental note of like, ooh, that sounded that that hit home right there. Of like, you know restoring the be- people's ability to do what they want to do. And I'm like, that might be something I might have to put into like a little personal statement. Why ortho <laughs> or something? So thank thank you because it's hitting home. So I'm like, let me, I'm a mental note that down. Thank
1: right <laughs> you. I'll, I'll take it. I'll
0: it. <laughs> we appreciate you. So as we're kind of coming to an end of this, absolutely incredible. I literally could not have asked for a better first episode mm-hmm. of the ortho plug um, with you, Megan. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. As we come to an end, I do just want to ask if there's any other kind of final words you've already given, you know, just straight wisdom pearls of just gems that you've dropped um, for everyone listening. But if there's any final words for aspiring orthopedic surgeons um, now, now's your, your time to share those.
1: Of course. Sure. And like always available to answer questions, even if it's not immediate, just keep messaging, text me, honestly, don't email me. I have 2,208. Don't, don't, don't add to that, but I'll, I'll always down to um, answer questions, but just some pearls or things to keep in mind. I think one big thing as you, wherever you are, your first year, your pre-med, your second year, third year, fourth year, wherever you are, you've already seen some of this, but expect to work harder than everyone else. That is the, that I can say. And not just because you are brown, black, some level of minority, not just because of that. It's because you are all of that. Plus applying to ortho. Ortho is already hard. You know, I think the match rate was like 60, 66, something like that. It's already hard. Plus everything else. So expect to work hard. And the reason I want to say that and put that in your mind and like really drill it in as someone who just did it and is still doing it is because you will hit walls. It's coming. You are going to hit walls and be like, why is this so hard? And why does it seem like it's easier for somebody else? That's none of your business. I already told you it's going to be hard. So don't even, don't even, now you need to start thinking about, all right, how do I get beyond this? How do I be creative about it? And sometimes sometimes it's just hard enough to where you're just like, I got to ask somebody, how do I get around this? Ask somebody. But there are other, you can be creative and, and lean into it and figure out how to get beyond whatever wall it is. And you're, whatever the wall is for you, I don't want to say something specific. And, and you'd be like, well, I don't experience that. But you could be at a wall. I'm just not saying, right? Like whether it's emotional, mental, physical, professional, There's the walls are everywhere. All right. So that's the first thing. That's the first pearl. Just expect to work hard. Carter. Um, all that to say, I know there's this weight though. And I think we were talking about it more, this weight of responsibility that I feel like minorities feel just for, because you're a minority and you have to represent whatever minority you're representing. No, (laughs) like while I'm saying you need to pursue excellence, it is not your job to represent the entirety of whatever. It is your job to represent yourself. And maybe your family, most definitely your mama, like (laughs) represent that and do well (laughs) in those regards. Um, And then everything else will follow. If you are excellent in whatever you're doing as who you are, cool. You are going to shine through. And if you happen to be a brown or black person, people want to perceive that as the brown and black race is excellence. Cool. We'll take it. But you don't need to carry the weight on your shoulders per se. So I'm going to just put that out there. All right. Next pearl for you guys is to get involved with community. Community is huge, and it was definitely huge for me. I already told you it was kind of an isolating experience in certain ways um, for my undergraduate or medical experience. And um, I felt like huge, huge, huge was the SMA. not even just for ortho, but just in general, because I was involved in it um, pretty early on, working through things. And just having your people around you is so helpful, and it's so different, and it's different because you can communicate similar experiences the other people around you might not get. Or maybe you're in a school that has a lot of people who look like you, but like not j- just because you look the same doesn't mean you go through the same thing. So the SMA, SMA offers this opportunity and this space for you to be around different people from different spaces, but you can find a different community um, like the SMA or something else, um, but they're big. And obviously the SMA Ortho SIG, huge, popping off, definitely get involved with that. Join the groups. I mean, it's awesome. I I loved it. It was awesome. And it was awesome to get to finally get, meet some of these folks in person at these conferences, whether it was AAOS or or, um, AMAC. Um, And when you come to those things, not only do you have your community, but you also start to build the network. That's one of these, that's another one of the pearls I would say. It's like, you need to start working on your network at whatever level you are. Um, And you need to not like hyper-focus on just like, I'm going into ortho. I'm only talking to ortho people or people who can help me with ortho. First of all, that's not how you build relationships. But um, you also never know who could like help you out or like be looking out for you, right? Um, I I remember talking to several people—OBJs, Peds, like whatever—and then I'd just be telling them, "I'm interested in orthopedics, interested in orthopedics," and they're like, "Oh, I know the orthopedic program director, huh? Do you?" Right? (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) say a little more right like but like also i'm just like talking to them just because they're people and it's also like again like something like the snma you're in a space of people who are talking about like minority excellence right and so these are people who like want to see you win regardless of wherever you are so you want to be in a community like that and that is accessible to everyone i know i hear like people talk about barriers in different ways that come up i don't have this at my program i don't have that me neither join the snma i'm gonna stop there um but there are also other groups, right? Like BWOS, Black Women Orthopedic Surgeons. I was a new one through this like last few years. And I felt like they were big for me. Um, it's led by um, Iday Brown and Sonia Sloan. And uh, I felt like I was not necessarily, I've always had this personality, not as outspoken. And I felt like Sonia Sloan was big on Megan. I know there's more there. Like, put yourself out there. And she was big on self-advocacy. She taught me self-advocacy. I was not reaching out to program directors, you know, orthopedic surgeons, whatever, before I met that woman. She said, no one else is going to fight for you harder than you will fight for you. So fight for you. And then I did. And then my world changed, right? Like I was talking to people, reaching out to people. So I name dropped these people also that that you hear the names, that you go and find them on their social media. They exist and they're active. Or just look at BWOS. they're active. Add them on your socials. Another one is the Gladden Society. If you're not part of the Gladden Society, that's for everybody. Join it now. Now, now, now. For all the reasons. um, Oh, my God, so many reasons. But, like, one big one is just, like, they are big for, for us and, like, putting us out there, providing resources. Right now, they're going through this um, OITE, like, your orthopedic, like, um, test review. Once you get there, they're doing that um, review cycle. But there's a big thing, you know, for us in the field is just, like, attrition and retention and keeping us in the field, right? And one big way that they or your program could, you know, hopefully this never happens to you, but one thing to look at is your board scores or like your, your test scores. Like, how are you doing? Are you thriving here or not? And one big thing for them is, well, let's make sure this is not used as ammo against you. You need to do well on your, on your scores. And people will tell you once you get into orthopedics, you don't need to worry about OITE You study. You do. Right. So they're big for that, but also as a pre-med or as a (laughs) pre-ortho, um, they've they've been really good about getting involved with the SMA and like wanting to figure out different ways to actually support us. And during my time, it was Mel Harrington uh, who was uh, the president at the time. And then it transitioned to Eric Carson and Mel's at Baylor, you know, email him. Uh, And then Dr. Carson is at WashU. And right now it's Dr. Wells, uh, Lawrence Wells. He's at UPenn. So like, these are big people in the, in the field. Right. And so like I say these names because they were big supporters of us when we were going through it as the SMA and I want you to know, like, these are people that want, like, want to help out students. And it's just like, how can they support you and 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 push you forward if they don't know about you? So these are names, right? And then the two people, those are the presidents, but like people who are really like pushing things forward on the back end is like mentorship share and membership. And that's Dr. Jason Brooks. He was at Mississippi, another great program, but now he's at Texas Scottish Rite with one of my old mentors um, in Dallas, Texas, which is connected to UT Southwestern. So that's Dr. Brooks. And the other person who is um mentorship is Dr. Julius Oney, who is at Johns Hopkins. So like you just being aware of people in the field is also helpful. And these are the people that like supported me through the way. Um, other big things, nth dimensions. I will say though, nth dimensions, you do not need to be an Nth Dimension scholar in order to get into orthopedics. I was not, my co-resident was not. You don't need you, you don't need it. You don't need it. But it's a nice um resource. And if you can get in into it, that's cool. But it's not the end all be all. Um, Ruth Jackson is another thing and they are connected to the Perry initiative, which is what I told you at the beginning of my story, how I joined Mm -hmm. the, the, that was the the product of the pipeline I was speaking to. Um, that is through Ruth Jackson. They put out this big Perry initiative and they are uh, four women. Um, but it's another group to just get involved with and they have resources. Um, which kind of leads me to my next point, Pearl, go to conferences, go to conferences so that you can meet these people and talk to them in person. Something I get is how like I we, we got to do a talk on how to do, like, how to kill a conference. We got to do a talk on that. But like, um, sure, for sure noted. Just like just some high yields for that is do not be afraid to introduce yourself and talk to people. Walk up to somebody and just say, "This is me. This is the program I'm at. I'm interested in orthopedics." You know, I just wanted to let you know. Ask them about themselves. What do they do at their program? Like get to talking to people and then follow up afterwards. Send them an email. Send them something. The thing, the comment I get after I say something like this is, "Well, I don't have the money." Per, I'm broke too. I get it. Ask your program, ask your ask the these organizations, a lot of them have scholarships. Go out and look for it. This is what I mean by you. You're gonna have to do more. You're gonna work harder. Go out and do it because the resources are at least there now. Um, and if that's really a bigger issue and it's it's just not not possible, it is possible though. Um, there's also the virtual conference option, which in some ways is easier because you ain't gotta do all the walking around, you just sit there and chat people. Don't be scared to sit there and chat people. I chat people all the time. Um, and honestly, through our like virtual um uh, interview cycle and things like that, like that's how I got to know a lot of the other African Americans in the in the field who were in my class who applied at the same time as me. I was just like what you doing? Who are you? Um, And like, you know, that's how you build community because you really want to be, build community around each other. Um, That's one thing that like, I, I was chasing down. Like I wanted us all to have community because I didn't want it to be like a, it's us against each other. Right. Because it's easy to get to that mindset with ortho. It's like you, like there might be, I don't know, 20 people at your program applying it to ortho. I'm against all of them now. Like that's just hard. That's hard. And like, it might not be up to you. Right. In that scenario, maybe they just feel against you. But it's nice when you know you have a community of people that want to see you win and succeed. So that was really awesome to have. And I hope you guys you know pursue that and try and talk to people. And don't be scared of it because most people are kind of like awkwardly sitting there like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this space. So um, that would be a pearl to you. It's just like leverage every opportunity to to talk to people, build relationships because you never know. You never know where it's going to go, period. Like I remember talking to Pete's people at one of these conferences and it, it was peeds, right? Like, uh, it has nothing to do with me. And I, it never turned into anything about ortho. But I remember just having this lady's contact, super cool. Uh, and my uh, roommate at the time, she is uh, Hispanic, so like brown in the community, applying P's. And so I gave her this contact and like emailed the lady. And I was like, hey, my roommate couldn't make it, but she was taking it down in the ED. And I know she loves peas, And I just want to introduce her to you. And, uh, you know, they started talking. And lo and behold, she did an away rotation there at that program and then subsequently matched there at Stanford. And so like, she is like a bad, like, uh, like I love her. She's amazing. I would talk to her forever, but like, that's just an example of, you never know who you're talking to. And maybe you're talking to somebody, not for you, but that's just part of the game, right? You're going to give and you're going to get, it's what it is. So uh, I'd say last thing for me is with all of that, right? I said a lot with all of that you do still have to live your life, which I thought was the like most devastating thing someone could say to me. I was like, you're writing this long list of things to do. And someone's telling you, okay, also like take a breath and live your life. And, uh, it's really important, right? Because nothing is going to slow down for you, um, as you move forward and you do have to figure out a balance. And that is the realest pearl. Like I wish I could have internalized that earlier in my medical experience, not in like middle of my fourth year where I was like, okay, like, let me get serious about like, you know, thinking about my family and like my relationships and like really pouring back into those and like just taking extra time. And it takes extra time. And I was just like fumbling around with, I got to do ortho. Mm. Ortho's going to be there. Make sure your peeps are with you too. So that as you transition through different things, everything is solid or whatever is important to you. Um, make sure all that is there. Make sure you're taking time for yourself because like Um, you're going to hear people talk about sacrifice and doing the most. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that to you still need to do the most, but there's a level of self preservation that needs to happen because like, if you bring yourself out, like out, out, what are we going to do? You're not going to be able to do anything. And so, um, that's really important that you take time for yourself and not feel guilty about it. Like, just take it. If you need the day, take it, take the day. If you need the afternoon, take the afternoon. And then, you know, maybe have an accountability buddy and like, let them know how long you have to just be out and then let them come get you after that. But it's important that you have time for you. Um, but yeah, those are my pearls.
0: I love that. Oh, my goodness. Straight wisdom. I'm running this episode back a couple of times for myself. <laughs> You've continued to highlight, you know, connections and, and building a network and building community. And, you know, honestly, for people listening, I met Megan at a conference and, you know, was first time for myself going to one of these big conferences. It was AOS. And had no idea, but we just seeing people walking around. And, you know, thankfully, I was with a few other people who had been to these things before and were comfortable walking up to people and saying, what's up, this is who I am. <laughs> Can we connect? And so I was fortunate enough to do that with Megan at this conference, quick, like little 30 seconds. She was like, let's take a picture. So I remember who you are. We took a picture. I sent her a text message afterwards and I've continued to try to build that relationship. So it just highlights the fact that you know, everything that Megan is saying is absolute facts um, and everything. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, I hope that everyone listening enjoyed this first episode of the Ortho Plug podcast. Continue to stay plugged in. We're going to bring more and more incredible guests just like Megan here for you guys. So until the next one, stay plugged in and we'll see you guys then.